was ugly and our guys just keep kept playing over and over again. So proud of our defense for all the crap they've taken this season. They played their rear ends off um, tonight and kept making stops uh, more than we needed them to. Uh, offensively, obviously, we've got to be a lot better than what we were tonight. Could not run the ball, uh, could not block number zero. It was a struggle, but nobody panicked. We knew it was going to be a four-quarter war, and uh, we'd have to find a way to win it in the fourth quarter, and and, and uh, we did. Into the night. All right. Welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. That was Shane Beamer kind of uh, doing our job for us. That's I don't really have anything else to say. That, that was the whole the whole game on Saturday night. Nah, I, I think we can figure it out. Um, yeah, so South Carolina finally had the defense win a game. Um, the offense obviously had some high moments, including a game-winning touchdown pass from Spencer Rattler to Xavier Leggett. Um, Darude was there. Seemed like he was having a blast on the broadcast. He looked like he was having the time of his life. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know that he had any idea what was actually happening, but he was into it regardless. Um, man. So, yeah, uh, you were there on Saturday night. Where do you kind of want to start on this one? Also, we do want to talk a little basketball, talk a little recruiting, but let's just hop right into the, the game analysis first. I think the backbone of kind of what we've talked about all year with this team, we talked about it kind of in a good way, Mississippi State week and a bad way, Florida week, some different points this year is young team learning how to win. You got to make some plays. That's just kind of what it comes down to. Beamers used the term, you got to win a one-on-one rep. Uh, I think he said that after the Tennessee game, they just didn't win enough of those. Um, DJ Braswell, I think I'm going to start there. Uh, picking up a blitz on a third and 10. That was a linebacker untouched, would have killed a drive. He stepped in, he made a play. Jordan Strawn, not a young player on this team, but he beat the tackle. He made a play. He forced a fumble. Tonka Hemingway on a fourth and 10 in the last drive. He knocked the ball down. He made a play. Um, and that's kind of where this begins and ends, I think, is just they didn't play that well. There were two and a half quarters where they had, I think, two first downs total on offense, and you find a way to win because you just made plays. Nicky even worry with a pick in the end zone. Jalen Kilgore with a big force fumble when Kentucky had a drive going. Just making plays that they haven't made a lot of the year, and that's how you win games. Yeah, I wrote about this in the rapid reaction on GamecockScoop.com, but this is one where the box score really doesn't tell – a whole lot of the story. I mean, the turnovers, sure, that that tells a lot about what went down. Um, but like you said, DJ Braswell, one carry for three yards. That's all, the only thing that really shows up on the actual box score for him. But he had maybe one of the biggest plays of the game uh, by chipping um, on that final touchdown pass from uh, Rattler to Leggett. Um, you also look at the way that the two quarterbacks played in the box score. So Devin Leary, Leary only completed 50% of his passes. Um, Spencer Rattler was high, hyper efficient as well, but that doesn't really account for the two quarters in the middle or like two and a half quarters or so where even though Leary was still not efficient, he was like making big plays uh, when it mattered. And even though Rattler was still being efficient, South Carolina was unable to keep drives alive. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think when I put the, the title and the rapid reaction, it was like stats don't matter till they do. Um, because at the end of the day, it did all sort of even out and you had a relatively 
uh, even game on the stat sheet that what the difference was those big plays, those big moments that you're talking about. Um, three turnovers for the defense. Nick and Warrior, a big one. Tonka Hemingway had a huge game. Um, Xavier Legat, you know, your best player on offense, uh, came through in the clutch. Yeah, it's those individual efforts that, that pushed South Carolina over the top on Saturday. Yep, and that's kind of where this all comes back to. And that's when you when this team was two and six and you were trying to look for, all right, where's the hope still? Where could things kind of get better? You, you still, okay, you've got Rattler, you've got Leggett. Um, you can make some things happen. And you kind of look at the last three weeks and that Jacksonville State game was a career day for Leggett. Um, last night or last night, Saturday night was obviously a big day for Leggett. Rattler, the offense put up over 40 points in the game against Vanderbilt in between there. Just making things happen and we're going to talk a lot more about Clemson between now and Saturday that's we're still doing some Kentucky stuff now but that's kind of where you feel the hope for this Saturday if you want to just get in that a little bit is Rattler Leggett um also unmentioned from Saturday on our part so far you saw even more of the 335 and they started in that look um got the snap counts here but that's kind of the Bam Martin Scott package well he played 45 snaps um in that game so i think you're seeing that that's can you call that the base defense at this point it feels like i mean i didn't watch every single snap that closely in the middle of the game we're, we're busy but they played more of that in the four two five i think well i mean one way that we can kind of look at it like you said is bam martin scott's total snaps he had 45 of the what 68 or so uh 66 total snaps so Two-thirds of the time uh, he was on the field, meaning two-thirds of the time they were in some version yeah. of that 3-3-5. So, yeah, I mean, I think we, we texted about this a little bit at the beginning of the game, or maybe I was talking to my dad. I don't know. I texted you and him both throughout the games. Um, but it just fits their personnel better, I think. Yeah. Um, with uh, Not that – I think they have enough D-linemen to have a strong starting four in the 4-2-5, but they don't have the depth to sustain that throughout a whole game. Um, so this takes some of that pressure off. And then when you want to put those four down linemen in, uh, you have fresher legs to do so. And it just seems to be, yeah, working out a lot better. Um, South Carolina is able to, has been able to put on a, a little more, uh, pass rush on. They only ended up with one sack the other night, but, um, still obviously created a lot of pressure and, um, forced three turnovers in the process, including an interception in the end zone, uh, by Nick and Mawari that, you know, uh, there's so many of these moments that you can kind of be like that play saved the game. That play was the game. Um, but it's, yeah, those, the culmination of those together, I think. Well, it's, it's kind of weird too. You look at it with even worry that pick in the second quarter, the next drive is the, um, the drive where Kilgore pops the ball out and forces a fumble and South Carolina doesn't score off either of those two possessions. And you're kind of, I had, I had it, the stats, but at halftime of that game, you know, South Carolina is up 10, seven, but you'd held Ray Davis pretty much bottled up completely, scored in your first two drives, forced two turnovers. Devin Leary didn't complete a pass the whole first quarter, and you're only up three points after all that. I don't know what you were thinking at halftime. I kind of thought that this was going to be one of those games you lost and maybe pointed to the second quarter more than the fourth quarter as the reason you lost. And it looked like that was going to be the case for a little bit until um, Rattler and Leggett made, made some big plays. I don't know if you saw the first quarter and second quarter summary, but it was almost a mirror image of each other on opposite sides. So the stat broadcast. Yeah, exactly. So first quarter, uh, South Carolina had 10 points and 125 total yards, uh, while Kentucky only had seven. But in the second quarter, 
Kentucky had seven points and 126 total yards, while South Carolina only had eight, uh, which is, yeah, you ended up with the exact same 133 total yards uh, at halftime. Um, yeah, I just I think at that point I knew it was going to be a weird one. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know that I had any sort of sense of which way it was going to go in the second half, but uh, it uh, it felt like it was going to be a series of like fits and starts, I guess. And, and that's kind of what we ultimately saw until they got over the, the top there in the fourth quarter. Um, I do think something needs uh, some credit goes to the crowd. Um, that was a pretty raucous environment on Saturday night. Uh, I've seen some videos and, and heard some feedback that it was one of the loudest uh, environments of the Shane Beamer era. Um, Shane Beamer himself said that that was the loudest environment he'd ever been in and that they were having a hard time hearing over the, um, the, headsets, the yeah. headsets and stuff. So I do think that that, that ended up playing a, a big factor in those three turnovers and how well the defense played. And yeah, you're going to need that again next Saturday. Well, and that's another thing, too. I'd even, again, the big plays, the big moments, you kind of come back, you think about it more. What was it like three? I know they didn't end up closing it, but in Kentucky got two more drives after this, but three minutes to go. Kentucky's in fourth and 10. They have the offense on the field lining up to go for it. Delay a game, you know, cockpits going ballistic, all of that. Now it's fourth and 15, and Stoops bring the punting unit out. That's true. They didn't end up icing it on that next drive because Kentucky pinned the punt down at the one and South Carolina went three and out. But the crowd bought them a chance to end that game on offense pretty much because Kentucky was going to go for that fourth down before the extra five yards. Um, and then not crowd related, but another play that I just thought about. So Omega Blake gets the blind side block. You are back to second and 27 now, down 14-10, barely in field goal range still. And I thought it was a good call by Dowell. Just get the ball to your best player and see what can happen. Get some of the yards back. The bubble screen to Leggett. He gets 17 on the play, I think. That makes it a manageable third and 10. Next play is a touchdown. I thought that was a huge play because you're not even thinking end zone there if it's third and 25 on that eventual touchdown play. But it's third and 10, and you can kind of set it up differently. That's true. And, I mean, the play itself, I texted you right after, and I, I believe I said – WTF um, because when it was a rushed play, the the clock almost went to zero. As soon as he snapped it, there were people like the rush broke through the the front line, which again, credit to DJ Braswell for, for picking up the lead guy there. Um, but it looked doomed from the start. And then it just, you know, your two best players gutted one out in, in a moment that they ha absolutely had to. Um, speaking of the defense again, Ray Davis did have one long 31-yard touchdown run, but outside of that, he had 11 carries for 30 yards. Um, so really impressive showing there, I think, against a pretty strong uh, running game. Granted, the, the the backup Ramon Jefferson did average 8.3 a carry or whatever, uh, but for the most part, I thought that they, they kept things in front of them. Uh, uh, Kentucky only combined for 122 total yards. Uh, that's a win against a team that's this good at running the ball and 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 on a night when Devin Leary is only throwing the ball or throwing for fifty percent uh, completion percentage, uh, which is yeah why they only scored fourteen points. I think if you had offered that before the game to South Carolina fans, they would have taken it. I think if you offered that before next week's game and say this Clemson will finish with one hundred twenty-two rushing yards total and only one rushing score, you probably take that. Um, did what they had to do. Like you said, did a good job staying in front. A couple gaps. I'm thinking of one play. Tonka, who played really, really well all night, shot a gap for a tackle for loss. Um, 
I thought she did a pretty good job of keeping Kentucky behind the chains. There were some third downs. Leary had to throw the ball. Um, like the first drive, he got him behind the chains. The strong got that sack on that third down. Um, you did what you had to do there. I think that's kind of the whole thing. No one's saying you got to hold him to zero rushing yard. That's never been the thing here. It's doing enough to force your opponent to beat you through the air where you're feeling better about your secondary maybe than you were a month ago now with the way Nick and DQ were playing. And Kilgore had another uh, another good game too. Yeah, those are uh, three of the top 10 or so uh, in PFF rating for the week. Um, Kilgore mm-hmm. being the highest at 74 point. Uh, one and then of course him and Warry's right around there too and and had a, a game breaking play with that interception in the end zone um yeah i mean i we'll obviously talk more about clemson throughout the week but i think you feel like this three game stretch at home allowed you and your young team uh, to correct some things on defense. Maybe that's also uh, allowing like Clayton White to experiment with a 3-3-5, see it works, whatever. Um, and also, I think something that's a little bit more of a gray area, not necessarily um, easy to quantify, but something we talked about earlier in the season is I think you finally figured out how to win. I mean, you, you had two close games in this three-game stretch. Now, maybe you're not happy that you had two close games in this three-game stretch against... Uh, the weakest part of your schedule or whatever, but you found a way to win those games. Uh, games that, you know, you had other close games in the first half of the schedule that you just couldn't finish out. So I do think there's something to be said for this young team just uh, having some good things happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that I, that's kind of the other thing too, about just making plays, figuring out how to how to do this. Um, you know what that feels like now. And we talked about it earlier in the year is, they didn't really have a game last year, even with eight wins, where the defense straight up had to get a stop with a minute to go to seal it. I mean, Clemson kind of, but you got a break on special teams. They kind of muffed that punt, and the offense was able to close it. A&M, you had to bat down to Hail Mary, but you're only in a Hail Mary situation because the defense gave up a score of the drive before that and an onside kick. Um, we haven't really seen a straight up – Defense has to make a player you lose. And now that's happened twice in three weeks. And Stone Blanton got the pick against Jacksonville State. And um, you got the strong force fumble and the Tonka batting the ball down on two drives in the last two minutes against uh, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I also think, just speaking of, I guess, good vibes and all those sorts of things, Beamer and uh, – Wow, why can it? Stoops uh, definitely have a rivalry. I mean, the broadcast talked about them having uh, being a little bit more chummy lately. They've been texting each other and they're fine and they talked pregame and everything looked fine. Um, but Stoops in the postgame mentioned that he really hates losing uh, to South Carolina. And obviously, Beamer seemed pretty emotional throughout the game uh, and after the game with the win. Um, I also think. Obviously, Justin King and the social media department just always kill it. I don't. I don't know if anyone saw the uh, post game of Beamer opening up the drawer and like the glasses <laughs> like sh- shining out or whatever. And he's like, ah, nah, never mind. Um, I, b- I believe you said uh, Hunter has the glasses now. Yes, Hunter has the glasses now. He was not wearing them in post game. He was in the room as the Beamer family usually is. So maybe those are still at the Beamer home or whatever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we didn't even mention this yet, and I thought this was going to be a turning point in two ways until it wasn't. 
the Debo Williams hit on Devin Leary when he was scrambling about midway through the second quarter. Um, one, I thought, what did you think there? Because from the box, like when I saw the flag, I thought it was targeting. I thought that's what they were going to call before I saw a replay. Did you think that from home? Yeah, I think he caught a little bit of a break, although yeah. on the replay, he led with a shoulder. Um, but that's one of those where if they would have called targeting on the field, would it have stood, you know, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I mean, that felt and then Leary got knocked out for that a play or two, part, too. Yeah. Um, so it definitely felt like that was going to be a potential key swing uh, on both sides. And then, you know, ultimately ended up a little inconsequential. But it was a little bit of a chippy game uh, for sure. I, that was my point when you talk about Beamer and Stoops is you saw a bit of a skirmish break out there, which is Kentucky's linemen coming to the defense of their quarterback, which I get. Um, that was kind of where I thought it was going to boil over. Yeah, and there was uh, another moment earlier in the game when Rattler went on a run um, and got in the DB's face a little bit, and then like Beamer like hopped on his back and then was also like pointing at the DB gear. It was the South Carolina. It seems like both of these teams really like beating the other. Um, there's definitely a, a, a rivalry forming here, which they're not on the schedule next year, are they? Uh, they are. It's oh, still permanent rivalry, or I don't know, permanent, but they're next playing year, next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's a fun one to keep going. Maybe if you're a South Carolina fan, you don't feel like, you know, given the history of the two, you don't feel like uh, having Kentucky as like your mirror opponent in the East is your favorite thing. But I mean, Stoops has elevated that program. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a huge problem. And it definitely makes those games a lot more exciting. Do you want to go back to 2010 when you were beating them 50 to 10 and no one showed up to those games? I don't. So. It's fun. It's um, that game's probably going to be early next year. We we're talking about that last week. That just the way the non-con schedules go in the SEC, Kentucky doesn't have an opponent yet for week two, and neither does South Carolina. I'm thinking that might be the SEC opener next year in Lexington. Um, yep. It's a good little rivalry here. These teams don't like each other, um, and the games are usually close. Yeah, I mean, we talked heading in that uh, the teams are sort of mirror images of each other, which I think we saw play out, and we saw that South Carolina had the best, probably best two individual players in Rattler and Leggett, and that was that was the difference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you swap quarterbacks in this game, I think it goes the other way. So, Yep, I would agree with that. And I think, again, if you wanted to start looking a little bit at uh, next week, you feel better about the quarterback situation against Cade Klubnick, too, even though he's playing a little bit better uh, the month of November. Yeah, so – Clemson got a big win on Saturday against North Carolina. They really have, yeah, turned things around a, a bit after their shaky start as well. Um, I believe right now the early line is Clemson minus seven at South Carolina, which sounds about right to me. Um, it's a rivalry game. It's rivalry week. I'm really excited to uh, dive into it throughout the week. Um, but I, I do think having it at a night game um, and, you know, that crowd – and is gonna Can't gonna make imagine. a yeah it's gonna it's gonna make it fun and it's gonna as long as some good things can happen early and you keep the crowd engaged uh, I don't see it being a blowout either way really um, I think it's gonna be a another ugly weird fun game you saw Bieber said the best environment since he's been there you saw that last Saturday and this this Saturday at night against Clemson with a basically a win and in for a postseason situation. It's going to be a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing it. 
You say basically winning and no, it is winning. Uh, no, I was gonna say on uh, GamecockScoop.com right now. Alan yesterday did a breakdown of how South Carolina could potentially maybe still make it to a bowl. It's very uh, unlikely. Five, five and seven, um, but some weird things would have to have to happen. But if you want to just see uh, Alan nerd out on a bunch of numbers for like twelve hundred words, go check that out on GamecockScoop.com. Um, anything else on this game? There's a couple other big things that happened in South Carolina athletics over the weekend. I think it's about what I had on the Kentucky game. Yeah, other than, oh, hang on, we said it before we started. No linemen hurt. I did not jinx that with Loggins. They're going to start the same five next week again. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, my only other takeaway is that Dion Walker is a beast, uh, number zero for Kentucky. Spencer called the best um, tackle they faced all season in post game. Yeah, I mean, good lord, he was blowing up every single play all night long uh, from the interior. Ended up with one sack, two tackles for a loss. Ended up with nine total tackles, which led Kentucky. Um, hey, you're just happy that you you got out of that one with a win and uh, hat tip to uh, yeah. Dion Walker. Um, so, since we last talked, uh, South Carolina already got a rivalry win on the women's side uh, with a third straight 100-point game, fourth straight. Yep, first time in school history scoring over 103 straight games. I don't even remember what the final score was. Jeez, a lot's happened since Thursday. It was a lot to – It was a lot to a little. At one point, it was – at one point, South Carolina scored 28 points in a row, which I don't think I've ever seen in a basketball game before. A twenty-eight nothing run. Uh, it was one hundred and nine to forty. Um, That's pretty good. I think. Yeah, I think that about speaks for itself. Uh, Full Wiley again, really good. Eighteen off the bench. I mean, it, it, just going down the list, but like Cardoso fifteen, Pow Pow fourteen, hit four more threes. Watkins twelve, Walker ten, Kitts twelve. Like just uh, playing South Dakota State at home tonight. South Dakota State, decent team, made the second round of the tournament last year. Um, but I have right now no reason to expect this team won't play 100 miles an hour the whole game and just outscore an opponent. You think we can give Full Wiley a, a Wildcat snap this weekend against Clemson? Or? That sounds great. I would like to see what <laughs> Dowell Walkers could do with that. Um, she's quick. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the other big storyline from the weekend is men's basketball wins two out in the desert, uh, both very close, hard fought games uh really i guess they played their more complete game last night in the championship game but uh three-point win against depaul on friday night it was kind of ugly but michi johnson scored 24 points and um kind of carried you across the finish line there and then last night it was really a group effort led by bj mack uh who has just been incredible all season except for that that game on friday night but i think it was also encouraging to see South Carolina get a win on Friday night without uh, Mac being the the main contributor. But yeah, last night twenty seven points, four three pointers, nine from nine from the field uh, from the free throw line, um, and honestly, the the free throw thing is what made the difference last night. Um, they were shooting very poorly from the free throw line on Friday night. I think they were at like forty seven percent or something, but they were fourteen of sixteen last night, um, which definitely definitely mattered down the stretch. Um, did you get a chance to watch either of those games? I didn't watch much of Friday. I did watch yesterday. Um, I think the main thing I look at this team with right now through five games, and by the way, first five and I'll start since the final four here, um, how many different ways they can score. 
you still have the three-point shooting. Your Michi Johnson's, uh, Miles Studi can shoot like that. We talked, we were texting about it last night. Talon Cooper is as good of a passer as this program's had in a long time. You watch him, and it's very easy to see why he was top 10 in the country in assists on a really bad Minnesota team last year. His core vision is just crazy. I mean, he had a couple kind of no-look passes last night. So you can score that way. B.J. Mack, low block, he can post up. He can kind of bully the defender to the basket. Will that work in SEC play as well? I don't know. Right now, it's a weapon you have for sure. And from time to time, he can take over a game that way. You can get to the free throw line and score like you just mentioned. There's just a lot of different ways offense can come right now. Um, when you're doing that, you don't really have to rely on one thing. Uh, at least they haven't yet through five games. Yeah, and, and last year, pretty much if Michi or Gigi didn't score 25 points, uh, you probably weren't winning the game. Um, and this year, it, it feels like it's a little bit more spread out. Like you said, all three transfers, well, there has been there was more than three, but the three uh, primary ones, BJ Mack has been South Carolina's best player throughout the first five games of the season thus far. Um, Miles Stute, or Studi, I, I keep hearing uh, the broadcast say it as Studi. So maybe it is. Um, but anyway, he uh, has been pretty consistent from behind behind the arc. And then I, I, I texted you last night that Cooper's the one that makes the whole thing work. Mm -hmm. It's maybe not him necessarily, although he's uh, incredible with his vision, like you said. But I think South Carolina as a team is just playing so much better together than they were last year. And they have so much better sense of where each other is on the floor. Um, they're they're being very selective with their shots, like perhaps even too selective at times. There were times where they went cold and they weren't even necessarily taking a ton of shots because they ended up hyper efficient from their percentage standpoint. Uh, last night, even in those dry spells, it wasn't like they were just checking up a bunch of shots and missing them. Right. Um, but yeah, they're, they're finding open shots and then knocking them down. Um, and that's, that's working. It seems like they're playing the style of, of ball that, that Paris kind of set out to when he got here. Yeah, and that's what you kind of see too with the transfers. These it's early, but these transfers look like they fit. It looks like it works. We've mentioned Mac, we've mentioned Cooper, we've mentioned Studi. Like Stephen Clark's still starting and has had gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, but you can kind of see what he does. Um he honestly played pretty good defense last mm -hmm. night. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Defense. Um you can see the idea, and you can see the idea starting to work, I think is what I would say right now. Um, coming out of those two wins out west. Yeah, and I know maybe not many people know who Grand Canyon is. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a big name, but that's a solid win. They were 73 uh, in the Ken Palm. They were a couple years ago. Yeah, they were favored last night. They were uh, four and a half point favorites going into the game. Uh, that's South Carolina's second win as an underdog this season uh, between Virginia Tech and them. They got another big test coming up on the 28th, uh, so next Tuesday at home against Notre Dame. Um, 5-0 start. There should be a lot of people at Colonial Life yep. Arena. That should be a fun one. You get a week to kind of reset here to breathe. Um, no game scheduled at Thanksgiving week. And then it's, um, yeah, that ACC-SEC challenge game. And really, you've got two home games next that week, Notre Dame and George Washington. Not saying easy. Notre Dame's a Power 5 opponent. George Washington beat you last year at the other end of the home and home. But two games at home against teams you're above in Ken Palm. And you could – be 7-0 going to Clemson, which is the next game after George Washington. And uh, Hip Hop Madness on YouTube with a comment. By the way, if you guys comment, we'll definitely throw it up on the screen or uh, engage with it. But uh, yo, guys, what's up? Great win Saturday. Our men's basketball team looking amazing. Light and day different. 
I agree. I mean, uh, maybe you don't have a future first round, you know, lottery pick or whatever, like you did with uh, Gigi Jackson, but the team itself is um, so much more balanced this year. And I I don't know what the total upside is, but uh, I mean, you won 11 games last year, already halfway there. Yep. Um, Good start. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just, I'm starting to think about it again. I said that Clemson game, you're still undefeated. Clemson's still undefeated. That could be a really, really big game, even just beyond the rivalry here coming up in about two weeks. Um, a couple of other notes from the weekend from a recruiting standpoint, uh, Quashid Scott, which is, he projects to be a cornerback. He is actually a Kentucky commit, but he was on campus this past weekend. South Carolina is looking to flip him. I feel pretty good about it. Um, I can't, I'm not allowed, I'm not able to put in future cast for currently committed prospects on, uh, the website, but let's just say I probably would. Um, Cameron Fountain, who is committed to Southern Cal, uh, four-star edge out of Georgia also was on campus. Uh, that one's a little bit more up in the air. Um, I, I saw he spoke to, uh, Corn Blue actually, and, and kind of doubled down on his commitment to Southern Cal. Is that him just creating some drama or is that real? It's sometimes hard to know as a teen with a teenager, but I don't, I don't have a, a lean either way on that one right now. A um, couple of other recruits. There was a preferred walk-on uh, DB from Greer that uh, committed last night. Um, I'll have a little bit more on him on GameClassGroup.com a little bit later. Obviously, that's not a scholarship kid, but hey, could could turn into something. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I have from a recruiting standpoint right now. Have a little bit more on weekly recruiting wrap-up uh, later this week. No basketball games this week, or there's women's tonight. Yeah, right? women's tonight against South Dakota State. I'll have cover. I'll be at CLA with coverage of that. Um, and yeah, it's rivalry week, y'all. Uh, yeah, obligatory. Um, Dabo is a nerd, um, and we'll we'll, get, <laughs> we'll just go from there. Um, yeah, we'll have plenty of coverage on South Carolina versus Clemson throughout the week on GameCastScoop.com. So come check us out. We'll be back here later in the week to do a podcast, although I may be in like a closet or something uh, as I'm visiting family, but we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, Until next time, this has been the GameCocksGroup.com podcast. We'll see you.